Welcome to Total Health Transformation Podcast, hosted by Dr. Danny Scarhill. Dr. Danny is a doctor of chiropractic, an author, speaker, and trainer. And on the THT Podcast, he interviews other health experts to glean further insights that will help you achieve total health transformation. Welcome to the Total Health Transformation Podcast. My name's Dr. Danny Scarhill, the founder of dannyscarhill.com, the author of Total Health Transformation, the proven system to unlock limitless energy, motivation, and health, and the creator of the Total Health Transformation programs. Let's get straight into it on this episode. Welcome to the THC Podcast. We've got another fantastic guest for you, Melissa Sanford. Melissa has been an integral part of the chiropractic profession in Europe for over 30 years. Owning and managing three independent practices has taught her the value of entrepreneurship, blended with an incredible business savvy. After systematizing the business processes within her own practices, Melissa began to inspire chiropractors and chiropractic assistants to fall in love with their front desk. The front desk in any chiropractic office is the gateway for your communities to improve the lives of individuals and families. Melissa has also been an integral part in the growth of the United Chiropractic Association. Welcome to the THT podcast, Melissa. How are you doing today? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. So tell us a little bit about about your journey. It's been quite an extensive one, hasn't it? Yeah, uh, I guess so. Well, I guess I could start with my age and work backwards. That might be easier. So I'm I'm going to be 52 in March and uh, I have six children um, and I had my first child when I was 25. So sort of, you know, I've had quite a large proportion of my life uh, being a mum and raising kids and uh, currently still have three at home, three have flown the nest. Um, so yeah, that is a big portion of my life. Uh, and then also from a work perspective, if you like, you're right, I've been involved in the chiropractic profession since I was, uh, you know, probably as long as I've been a mum, actually, about a year before I had my first child, I got involved in the profession. Before that, I was a school teacher. Um, and yeah, born and raised in Australia, moved to England uh, in 1997, been here ever since, and I love it. So that's kind of a little bit of my backstory in terms of in terms of like from a health perspective, um, I guess really the the sort of changing gears in the way I perceived health and the way I've kind of looked after my health and my family's health really changed when I got involved in chiropractic. Um, I would have said to you at the age of 23 or 24 that I was pretty healthy, even though at the time I was on quite a few medications. I suffered from chronic rhinitis. I used to get quite a lot of coughs, colds, tonsillitis, um, you know, that kind of thing. And even though, like I said, I would have rated my health quite high. I was for a 24 year old, probably on too many regular medications, um, which for a lot of us, we think is normal, right? Just got the normal, I get a normal cold every winter. I get the normal flu. I get the normal tonsillitis. I get the normal headaches. I get that. You, do you know what I mean? We kind of live in a world where we do think that's normal. And I certainly thought it was normal. So from the time of when I um, started getting adjusted, and that was really by accident because I met a chiropractor and married one. So I didn't go there with a pain or symptom to be, you know, fixed or helped or anything like that. I thought my 
pain and symptoms were normal. Um, and it was just really through my journey of meeting him and getting adjusted that, you know, kind of all of those things cleared up. Um, I threw out the medications and haven't taken them since. So that kind of led me on a journey of discovery of, you know, A, what is this chiropractic thing? Because uh, as you know, you're a chiropractor and chiropractors tell their partners that it's just what you have to do when you marry them, right? Whether you like it or not, you're getting adjusted, right? That's just the way it is. And they tell you about this thing of, you know, the brain, the nervous system, how every cell tissue in your body is connected. And really, I'm sort of like listening, but not really listening. Do you know what I mean? It all sounds a bit kooky. So I went on my own journey of, of discovery and, um, and just, yeah, really changed the way I, not just the way I look at health, but the way I view the world, I think. Um, so I'm really grateful for, for A, meeting him and, um, and being introduced to a totally different way of living my life. So, so yeah, that's kind of a bit of my backstory, I guess. And I've raised my children um, with a chiropractic philosophy, which is that nature needs no help, just no interference is really how we raise our kids. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's pretty, it's pretty basic and simple. Um, so yeah. Cool. The best things are simple in life, aren't they? People hmm. tend to overcomplicate things when a lot of things are super simple. I didn't know you were a teacher, by the way, in the past. Yes. So I just learned something new there. That's why I talk, speak so sternly sometimes. <laughs> it, it all makes a lot of sense now. Nice. Cool. So over the years, as you've improved your health over over the, uh, the the last few decades, if you like, what what are some of the biggest challenges that, that you've had, and what did you learn from those? Uh, I've learned a number of things. I think I, uh, you know, just really stripping life back to the basics of you need to eat eighty percent of the time a reasonably good diet and it doesn't have to be fancy i think we've somehow in the last 20 or 30 years gotten in this realm of food's got to be fancy every time you eat right you know we've got to have a, a prawn biryani or we've got to have a this or it's all got to be exotic and time consuming and then i think because people have that in their minds they then think oh that's just too complicated too hard for me i can't cook i can't do you know what i mean whereas yeah. actually eating well really is so easy you know, if you just think of your basic, you know, if you're a meat eater, your basic meats and veg, it's really easy to make a meat and veg meal in under 15 minutes. You know, really easy, simple ingredients, doesn't have to be expensive. Obviously, organic food is preferable, but if you don't have the budget for that, just wash your veg really well. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, it's so easy to eat well. Um, you don't have to get in that fancy realm of I've got to be producing a lasagna every night or a you know, a, a fancy meal that takes you a long time to, to work. So I think, you know, just, just staying with those really basic principles of stripping back to simple food, making sure we sleep um, really well uh, every day. And if we don't, that we have days of rest. You know, if I've had a really busy work week, I will clear a day on the weekend where I'm not doing too much. Um, making sure we get out and have fresh air and sunshine every day, you know, just really, really basic principles. Um, and I think we sort of have gotten into this, you know, sort of idea of everything's got to be hard and complicated, you know, like exercise means you've got to belong to a gym 
or exercise means you've got to be signed up for the next 10k challenge and it really doesn't you know to be to physically be well you really just need to make sure you walk every day for half an hour that you have clean fresh air um, and that you're doing a few basic stretches every day because we don't you know garden and we're not doing any kind of hard labor anymore so our bodies are built for that so you know what's the hardest thing we might do in a day it might be lifting up the washing putting it in the washing machine and pressing a button right <laughs> that's hardly that's hardly movement is it so we've got to replace the, the the beauty of technology we've got to replace with some movement but it doesn't have to be hardcore exercise and i think that's the biggest thing i've learned over the last 30 years is that we've made being healthy and well complicated in people's minds and it just doesn't have to be i agree i don't know if i've answered your question there but um well, i think that's the, that's my big lesson yeah, yeah is that just go right back to the basics of simple food um you know even with my kids you know I've, at times I only have to feed three at the moment but when you're feeding six trying to please all the children and I hear this a lot from parents like oh my children won't eat this my children won't eat that my children won't eat this um you know one of the the things I do at least three or four times a week is I get a breadboard I chop a variety of raw vegetables on it I stick it in the middle of the table I'll give them a bowl of something whether that's some stew or some pasta or um, it might even be some meatballs I've made and they can eat whatever they want from the board. They've just got to eat a minimum of two different vegetables. So they feel they have some control over what they're eating. They're eating what they like, but I know they're eating fresh raw vegetables every day. Um, really cool. That takes me like 15 minutes to make that. Yeah. It's, it, it's longer to get the frozen stuff out the freezer and stick it in the oven, which is what a lot of people are doing because they their kids won't eat vegetables. Yeah. They will if it's all there is on offer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they will. This is the thing, isn't it? You know, when you were speaking there, it reminded me when I was growing up when I was a kid, I would eat what I was given. You know what I mean? It was like, it's this or it's this. You know, kids, uh, I mean, all older, well, as, as, as we age, all generations kind of say, oh, it wasn't like it wasn't, it's not now, it's now, it's not what, what it was like in my day kind of thing. Um, literally, we were, we were, we were, we, we, what's the phrase? You get what you're given, you know what I mean? Kids are spoiled, all of them. Well, I think kids and us as adults, you know, like even if you just take the latest kind of lockdown experience we've had for the past year all over the world, you know, I've had, many days of hearing this and actually feeling this way myself of like some kind of hardship that I can't get on an airplane and go somewhere. Now that's kind of a bit spoiled too, isn't it? You know, cause yeah. if you think back to say my parents' time, A, they didn't have, um, it just probably didn't even enter their head that you would, you know, travel that much because they didn't either have the finances or the time, or it just wasn't part of, how they thought about life. Our, our idea of going on a holiday was once a year, we would maybe drive five hours up the coast. My parents would rent like a little, we'd go to a caravan park and we'd go to the beach for a week. Like that's what we did. That was, that was travel to me, you know, yet now we're like, Oh, I haven't been on a plane for two months. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And we, yeah. we feel like that's a hardship. And, 
So I think, you know, it's not just kids. I think as adults, we've become spoiled too, you know, like I can't, I can't eat out. Like I, I need to socialize. I need to do this. I need to do that. And, you know, if you think about, my mum was saying this to me, actually, she said this whole lockdown thing is a little bit like war times, posh war times, she calls it. You've got the restrictions of those times, but we're all sitting in our lovely warm houses with an abundance of food to eat for most people, right? Um, Netflix on tap, you know, we're chatting to all our friends via a WhatsApp, you know, back in those war times when there was those periods of you know, you couldn't go anywhere, was unsafe to leave your house or whatever. You also had no contact with your family, your, your husbands, brothers, cousins or whatever, all going off to war, never knowing if you're going to see them again. So I think sometimes we have to put life in perspective, you know, as, as frustrating as the last year has been, there are some gifts in it, you know. There are some gifts in learning to live a much more stripped back, simple life, I think. I agree, definitely. It's it's taught us a lot of lessons over the past year or so, and perspective is probably one of the bigger ones. Yeah. Um, cool. Excellent. So with the work that you do, obviously I've known you for quite a long time now. You're so so driven in the work that you do. What is it specifically that drives you and, and why is that? Um <clears throat> that's a good question. Um I think at the root core of of who I am as a person, uh, I'm a worker. Uh, so it wouldn't matter kind of what I was in, I would, I would give it my best, you know. So when I was a teacher, I worked hard. I loved it. I enjoyed it. I'd still be teaching now had I not met a chiropractor and started having kids and helped, you know, the most sensible thing was to help him in the business. That's, that's kind of how I got into chiropractic. And then I guess the work I do with the association, um, what drives me with that is, that I feel very passionately about chiropractors being able to practice in a model that uh, is right for them and right for their community and maintaining the uh, foundation of chiropractic and the principles that it was built on. I would hate to see chiropractic ever become just a uh, treatment or a therapy for low back pain. Um, so the work I do with the United Chiropractic Association is really in helping chiropractors preserve those chiropractic principles and be able to practice them safely and effectively. So I'm really passionate about that. I think that's what keeps me driven there. Um, and yeah, I just, I have a really busy, active mind. So I like, a I like a project, you know, um, I'm currently, you know, on the hunt for a new project, as I know, you know, um, so, yeah, I think that's that's just the nature of who I am. I, if you speak to my mother, she'd probably tell you I was organising the family kitchen cupboards at the age of two. Uh, I like a project. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. So in terms of your role models and inspirations in, in the realm of health, who have they been in the past and who would they be today? Oh, that's a really good question. Um In terms of health, I think there are a couple of people that are really, for me, it's not so much um, the health of that person, but it's the, the people that have enabled me to, it's almost like you flick a switch in your brain where you go from thinking a certain way to the possibility of something else. So they're probably been the biggest influences on me. And the very first person I think 
where I made such a major shift in the way I saw my body um, and the world around me and how those two things, you know, interact was a lady called Susan Herringslake. And she's, she's a chiropractor. She's, um, I guess now would be in her sixties. I saw her actually a couple of years ago when I went to Australia uh, but I hadn't seen her for about 20 years. So, and I did get the good fortune to see her. And I, I was also able to tell her what an impact she had on my life, which is always lovely when you get to do that, you know, when you can look back and sometimes you never get to say that to those people, do you? But I did have the opportunity to speak to her. And what I said to her was that um, she had such a profound impact on the way I saw the world and health. And she did that by asking me questions. So she never kind of imposed information on me. If I would sort of be talking about something, she would ask me a question and most of the time that would stop me in my tracks. Like I didn't have an answer. You know, I was like, and she'd say nothing else and we'd move the conversation or she'd walk away or whatever. But she would leave me thinking about, yeah, why do I think that? Like, is that real or is it made up? Or do you know what I mean? Because most of what we believe is just something that's been told to us and is or isn't it true, you know? So she she had a massive impact on me in that way. Um, and, and then, you know, I guess from there, you know, a couple of different people, Cindy O'Meara, she's a nutritionist in Australia, the way, you know, her, her principles of... Um, of healthy eating, which is basically just like what I was talking about earlier, just get back to basics. You know, it doesn't have to be fancy. And I, I actually went on a walking trip with her in Peru a couple of years ago. So I did get to eat breakfast, lunch and dinner with her. And it was just really interesting watching the way she ate. It, you know, if we sort of went somewhere where a meal was put on for us as part of our, you know, tr trek, she would go and pick the healthy things out of the meal. So even though there might be a meal, she would choose not to eat the things that just didn't fit in her regime. So I remember one time at breakfast, she had like um, some lettuce leaves and then she had a few radishes and then she, do you know what I mean? So it was like, whatever I can get in my body that's alive is what I'm eating. So it didn't, you know, it wasn't this meal. Do you know what I mean? It was just, I'm eating live food you know, is kind of, um, so, you know, she's been very influential on me, I think. Um, and I guess another person that's really, really influenced me in the last few years from, from an emotional point of view would be Philip McKernan. Um, I know I've spoken to you about him, but he's, um, he's just, uh, you know, oh, he's just a life coach, I'm saying. Uh, he's very, very gifted. He's a coach. Um, he's Irish. He's been living and working in Canada and America for the last 10, 15 years. He's back in Ireland now. But I did um, his Brave Soul program in Ireland, which is a live experience. And then a couple of years later did Braveheart. And I think um, I have changed in terms of my... Um, living more in line with what's true to the core of who I am as a result of the work um, I've done with him. So getting away from it always being, you know, it's all about mindset and it's all about push. I think often if we just push and try and change our mindset and it's not in line with our core values and who we really are, you're just always coming up against a brick wall. Um, and so, you know, doing that work with him has really, taught me that sometimes if you try to push for something and you're always getting that brick wall 
you know, it's a, it's a time to step back and ask, is this really in line with my core values and who I am? And what does my soul want? What does my soul want? You know, I've had a lot of time over the last year to think about that. Fundamentally for me, I love to help people. It's part of, you know, I think when you ask that other question, what drives you is like, I love to help people and how I help them doesn't actually really matter. That's what I learned from Philip McKernan. So I don't have to be a hairdresser or a, a teacher or a policeman or a chiropractor. I just need to make sure in my work, I'm helping people be a better version of themselves. That's what's important to me. So the physical work doesn't matter, but the core of that has to, has to exist for me or I just get into a state of unhappiness. Does that make sense? Yeah, some great insights there. So they would be my three people, I'd say. I mean, there's plenty of others, but um, yeah, they're the first three that come to my mind. And you, Cindy, would be one of them for sure. And, <laughs> and Philip. Cool. Excellent. So you touched on it quite a few things there. Like when you were speaking about uh, Cindy, uh, immune system came to my mind. And it, it over the last year worldwide, it's been quite evident that many many people have a weak immune system mm. in your experience what are a few really easy ways how people can naturally boost their immune system i think if we just talk about food for a second it's about eating live food right food that's alive and fresh you know it, you cannot get from a fr it from frozen do you know what i mean like there's a place for that for sure but it cannot be the bulk of your diet um, ready meals, packaged meals. Again, there's a place for that. You know, we're all, we lead busy lives, but it cannot be the bulk of what you eat. So if you want your body's self healing, self generating all the time, it's making new cells, new tissues all the time, all the time, healing, repairing, healing, repairing all the time. And the way that it, that it heals, repairs and grows and maintains is by what we put into it. So what we put in, has got to be of a good, high quality fresh. That's, the, that's the, the biggest thing I think for me would be making sure that 80% of your diet is live and fresh food. Even if you steam some veg, that's still pretty close to the live and fresh. If you're going to eat meat, um, don't eat like tons of it. Do you know what I mean? Little portion in the palm of your hand is all you need. I think we overeat in our culture. We completely overeat this whole idea of breakfast, lunch, dinner, and two snacks. It's way too much food for most of us. If you're a teenager and you're in massive growth phase, sure. But when you get over the age of 30, we need to pull that back. You just look at the amount of people that are overweight in our society. You know, it's, it's, a, it's one of the major downfalls of people that, are, you know, young people certainly who've become unwell or even older people is if you're carrying around 10 to 20 kilos more than your body is built for you're putting pressure on all of your joints your organs and they're just they're then sluggish aren't they you know so that would be one of them again like I said about movement we do not have to be going to a gym and I think people have been put off this whole idea of exercise because they think they've got to be in some lycra and they've got to be at a gym you don't you just have to move every day you need sunlight for vitamin d if you're not getting sunlight you need to take vitamin d um and again if you're you know we're missing out on so many valuable fish oils 
You need to be taking those supplements. Um, and we need to sleep. You know, I think we live in this 24-hour society, don't we, where we can go to the supermarket whenever we want. We can watch Netflix whenever we want. You know, we can do whatever we want 24 hours a day, more or less. So maybe getting your body into a rhythm of getting up and going to bed and allowing that sleep time is also so, so important. Oh, for sure. They're all very, very important. And, mm. um, you know, I, what we put into our mind is crucial to what to we put into our mind. Yeah. Well, yeah. Watch what you're watching on telly. I remember Bill this said this to me a few years ago. I was talking because I love films. And I said, oh, have you seen this film? And have you seen that film? And I'm like, you don't watch many films. And he's like, no, he said, I'm very, very careful about what I see. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I'd not thought of it that way. And so what he means by that is everything that you're, you know, projecting, even if it's visual, not just what you read, it is going in as an imprint in you, you know, and he is selective about what he watches. He says, I don't, I don't want to be sitting in a war zone. I don't want to be, you know, I don't, I don't have a need to escape. And I thought, hmm, it's really interesting, isn't it? You know, and I think if you think about the culture of our young people now, and I've got, I've got young people as kids. I've got 20 year olds. I've got a teenager right now. And I've never seen so, so much talk of depression. You know, when you, if you look at the face of it compared to say, you know, 50 or 60 years ago, most of us, are, you know, and I'm talking about depression in people who have homes and food to eat and holidays to go on and jobs and all the rest of it. Yet still, we're all so down. Like, why is that? You know, like you say, is it that information we're reading, the news that we're watching, the, the you know, the kind of films on Netflix that we're just mindlessly absorbing? You know, it's all of it, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a reason why TV programs are called programs, isn't there? Mm. You know, but most that that goes way over pe most people's heads. But mm. it is programming. Mm. You know, from from the from from the second we first ever watch it to mm. you know for the rest of our lives. That that is why. I mean, I, I love where what you said about Bill Esther. I stopped watching the news and reading papers and stuff like that well over ten years ago. And people always say you've probably experienced it loads in chiropractic practice over the years, but I need to be informed. People protest to you. And I always say, well, no, you don't. And they say, why not? I say, because people like you will tell me a filtered version. I don't have to watch it myself. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you probably don't um, let the media and stuff bombard your, your mind and your subconscious, do you? Yep. No, in fact, you know, like... What's been interesting is um, in order to find out what's happening with, you know, the lockdown and what rules and regulations are, which, you know, for the first time, I guess in this last year, I have had to look at that stuff, right? But I don't go to news channels for it. I just go on the government website and read, you know, what the latest guidelines are, mostly because we have to adhere to them in our businesses, don't we? So we yeah. do need to be informed right now, probably more than normal for us. Um, but yeah, I certainly don't rely on any kind of news channel and in fact if we're driving in our car and my my kids are, you know are so well versed at this is that we're driving in the car we've got some music on and if the news ever comes on on the radio one of my children will immediately turn it off yeah um and because i've just always done that with them when they were little and so 
you know, they and, you know, they know why it's because most of the news is horrific. It's horrific. And I don't want you to hear those stories, particularly kids. I can, you know, imagine a 10 year old little girl where she hears about somebody being murdered, somebody being killed, this person's raped, this person's missing. Like, that's not a safe world to live in, is it? No. And yet I know those things happen, but those things have always happened. It's the nature of our human experience. We have, you know, most people are good. Most people are good. But, you know, we do have people that do bad things. That has always been the case. It's no worse now than it was 100 years ago, you know. Um, We just hear about it more. Yeah, and see it. And see it. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a whole... It's a whole all senses experience, isn't it? And that's what um, it just gets into people's psyche. Um, mm. It's uh, it's interesting because obviously anything can be used for good and anything can be used for bad. Mm. It's just a case of uh, kind of uh, being measured as to how exposed you allow yourself to be to those kind of things. Mm. And I think the idea of of news is isn't is a nice idea, but it's not news in a pure sense it's it's controlled information as as we know from you know whoever owns those those corporations and you know there are some great journalists out there who you know do do some good work and um and look at trying to sort of inform people of truths or you know just wait different ways of thinking but for the most part that media is just you know it's it's uh it, it is controlled and it is also targeted at you know celebrity and and I'm, most of the celebrities hate it it's only the wannabe celebrities that love it but you know the true celebrities and you know those people they are just hounded by the media um and things you know said about them that you know that often just aren't true Um, And that's so damaging to those people. Like, you know, look at Justin Bieber for an example, right? We all know who Justin Bieber is, right? Love him or hate him. If you can just sort of put your mind aside to whether or not you like him, if you just take that kid for a second, you know, he's like, I don't know, 10 or 11 or 12, he's busking on the street. He gets discovered by somebody, gets offered a record contract. By the age of 15, he's got millions of dollars. He's famous all around the world. And then, you know, he's, you know, hounded and hounded and hounded. And then so between 15 and 20, when he goes through that phase of, you know, teenagehood and young adulthood, like like we all do, um, he, he misbehaves. And that is spread out for the whole world to see. The whole world to see that he, you know, got in a car and, you know, drove too fast down a road or threw an egg at a house. Like lots of teenagers <laughs> do that, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, that is front page news. Justin Bieber throws eggs at a car. Like, who cares? You know? Oh, he should know better. He's a role model. No, at the root core of him, he's a teenage lad trying to figure himself out. And you're running around clicking every goddamn thing he does. Like, what an awful world to live in. Indeed. But we encourage that by buying the newspapers and watching those programs. We love it. You know, it's oh it's so juicy look what he's doing now you know it's i just think it's it's horrible agreed 100 percent um at some stage in the past they served a purpose now they do not in my opinion mm, uh, so, agreed. 
I know you're really, really busy, Melissa. So thanks for taking out some time out of your busy schedule to uh, be on, on the THT podcast with us. What, um, what big plans have you got over the next 12 months? Where do you see yourself a year from now? Uh, a year from now, I will not be uh, working with the United Chiropractic Association in the capacity that I am. Um, sorry, I'm just looking at my battery and I'm just going to plug in my um, computer. That's what happens when you're homeschooling and your kids run off with your computer and don't plug it in. Um, yeah, so I will not be working in the capacity I'm working there. Um, I plan to get a bit more involved in my husband's practice, uh, even though we've kind of been the business owner with him for, I don't know, 20 years or whatever it is. Um, I haven't really been actively in the practice. So I started in September last year. Being, I work on the front desk on a Wednesday. So I'm planning to be a bit more involved in that. Um, I'm also planning to launch an online um, CA program and which I kind of do a little bit, but I'm going to do it more and have have kind of a bit more of an accessible um, system for people. I think for me, what's missing in training offices is like your why behind what you do. The procedures are important, but unless you love chiropractic, you, you just don't show up right on that front desk, right? You've yeah. got to love it and you've got to learn about it and you've got to be expanding your mind all the time. I'm really passionate about that. So that, and then also moving into running, um, if we're ever allowed to go anywhere again, uh, running live events, uh, mostly for women um, all over the world. So taking women on uh, weeks away to the Himalayas and to Bali and all sorts of different places, having a, a week-long immersion experience um just to shift some things within you or to just take some time out of your life um some of those trips will be a giving back experience so it'll be sort of like raising money for certain charities and things like that so yeah that's that's where i see myself in 12 months um hopefully i'll get to australia by this time next year uh haven't been for over you haven't seen my older kids for 14 months or my parents so, you know, I'm very hopeful that I'll, I'll get there as well. Excellent. Good stuff. I must admit I'm craving live events uh, very, very much so. So I, I, I can totally feel your, your pain with not being able to do those because they are mm. the live experiences. Uh, you know, there's nothing better. I agree. 100%. So where is the best place people can find you online if they want to reach out and connect with you? Uh, on Facebook, I do have a website, but it's not very active. Um, I started it about a year and a half ago, but I've been so busy this last year with, you know, my work at the UCA um, that I just really have parked that. So, uh, but they can contact me through there or via Facebook. Um, it's just Melissa Sanford, nothing fancy um, as my Facebook name. And um, yeah. Cool. Good stuff. Well, thanks again for being on the THC podcast. It's been fantastic, Melissa. Thank you. You're most welcome. Have a great day. You've been listening to the THT podcast with myself, Dr. Danny Scarhill. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, or any one of the other outlets where we stream. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash total health transformation. You can also find more information about myself on my website, dannyscarhill.com, where you'll find lots of fantastic information and some free products for you as well 
Look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Take care. All the best. You've been listening to Dr. Danny Scarhill on the Total Health Transformation Podcast, helping you to eat, move and think on purpose. See you on our next episode.